Hello and welcome to episode 11 of Uta Beer Podcast. I am your host, Raj Baines, and joining me is Rory Benson. All right, how's it going? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. Um, quickly, if we explain what happened on Monday, we didn't just take a random you day messed off. Up. I, uh, you could say that. Uh, the equipment, I think, has failed me, but a bad workman blames yeah. his tools. Um, essentially, we recorded it, we edited it. I was literally having a last listen through before I put it on to upload it to iTunes and everything and it sounded horrible it sounded broken I tried to fix it and I couldn't so we apologise for that Uh, I apologise yeah Rory's uh, absolved of any sins Mm -hmm. it's it's my fault completely obviously Um, nothing wrong with this equipment we don't hope but we are working to get better equipment and everything as well because there are lots of people listening to this and we want it to be as good as possible so that is something that I am personally pursuing as much as possible um, and hopefully we can try and do that in the next couple of weeks but bear with us in the meantime essentially if there is anyone that listens that for some reason has professional recording equipment lying around that they wish to donate to me and Rory then you're more than welcome to uh, we will repay you in free beer <laughs> but if we move on um we're gonna do it a bit backwards we need to catch up on the hamburg trip and everything but we'll do that afterwards we need, we'll do the more relevant stuff now it's gonna be back and forth and jumping around like a episode of doctor who which is fitting because she's from huddersfield <laughs> but um press conference today david wagner how was he good form happy to be back into normal swing of things after the international break yeah seemed it seemed uh he seemed a bit tired I think they all did really uh, uh, in Hamburg because it was a, a long day 12 hours plus with, with two two hour flights involved in that so it's going to take it out of you but no it seemed on good form um, seems to be looking forward to it I think the London stadiums you know it's one of the, the biggest venues now in the Premier League it's one that he's looking forward to going to uh, Tom Ince as well was at the press conference he seemed full of energy Um Knows he's probably going to get booed a little bit because of his dad at West Ham, but uh, he's again he's another one looking forward to to playing in London this weekend. That's an odd one, isn't it? Booing someone because of who their dad is. Yeah, it's uh, you know you know what football fans are like. You know the odd transfer goes south here and there, and and you're tarnished for life, and and then apparently your offspring are tarnished as well. But <laughs> what, what was it? Paul Lynch did something because I knew he was off. I think didn't he get pictured in a Man United kit yes. before the deal was he, he was ratified. He came through West Ham Academy, yeah. played three years for their their senior team, uh, and then was moving to Man United. Everyone knew it was going to happen. And he was going on holiday, so his agent persuaded him to take a photo in a Man United shirt so that they could put it out immediately before the deal had been signed. Then that picture got leaked, uh, like ages before he actually ended up signing for West Ham. So that's why they all a uh, bit of a departure situation. Yes, exactly. <laughs> He's taken a page out of Ince's book there as departure. Um, but yeah, it's it's a bit odd because Tom Ince has never had anything to do with West Ham. Was he closest he's played no. is what Palace, Crystal Palace? Yeah, that would yeah. be the closest. Mad one. Um, I would say it's it's unlike the West Ham fans, but that might be a bit <laughs> of a lie. <laughs> Coming from a Tottenham fan, that's a shot. I am quite happy to fire. Uh, come at me. Um, how was Tom Ince other than that? Was he? I know he spoke about England a little bit as well. Yeah, he's um, he's a very chatty person. He, he likes <laughs> he likes to talk. Um, he probably he, gets that from his father. <laughs> but he comes across really well. Um, yeah, he, he does. He seems um, very well educated and quite sure of yeah. himself, which isn't always the case. Yeah, exactly. And I think he's 
he's he was saying himself that he's fitted, fitted in really well at town in, in the short time he's been here and I think that helps to build his confidence as well um, he spoke a little bit about England he's played for the 17s the 19s and the 21s um, I think just over the international break one of the journalists asked if that would be something you know he's he's pushing for I think he kind of said he wasn't pushing for it at the minute but he's hoping at some point in the future his club form for Huddersfield will take him to uh, to the national team um, you know as as pretty much every English player would like to believe at their respective clubs so no he, he was on good form um, he was talking about England talking about West Ham uh, talking about the new players coming in as well and talking about the uh, the initiation songs that they had to do he said that he sang R. Kelly um <laughs> Is it world's greatest? Ah. Yeah. So, but no, he, yeah, it was good form. A nice humble song to start with. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. At least we know he's not shy of confidence. Yeah. Well, then he said as well, he did his first and sat down and thought, yeah, mine's going to be better than anyone else's. <laughs> <laughs> um, if we go back in time a week to Hamburg, you yes. flew in and out, twenty-four hour round trip. Mm-hmm. People will have missed the opportunity now, sadly, of hearing you almost fresh off the plane record oh. the podcast last time. You were a, a tad bit tired, to say the Babbling least. Babbling it was, wasn't I? Um, look a bit more refreshed now. Um, how was the, the trip and the game and the atmosphere and everything? The atmosphere was really good. Um, Altona are going to be my German team now. They, <laughs> the, the fans were, were mad. They're playing like classic English songs, but the German versions of them, like randomly before the game. Um, there was about, I think it was about 3,000 of them packed into a very small sort of non-league style stadium. Um, but it was just, it was great. They got involved with the few town fans that were there and the game itself was it was all right. I mean, it was a town win, 3-0. We kind of expected that, but the pitch was a bit dodgy. Um, they put in a few big tackles and Colin Kwan is now a, a question mark for, for the weekend because of that. Um, West Ham breathe a sigh of relief. <laughs> well, you know, big call, first name on my team sheet, to be honest. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, but it was it was a... I think David Wagner views it as as a success, and I would too. It's more of we've we've spoken about this before, but these trips are about unity and fitness. Yeah. And the thing that I was most pleased to hear and read in your match report was the fact that Florent Hadejani and Abdel Hamid Sabiri were the standouts. Yeah, they Sabiri in particular was was sensational. Two two assists and a goal. Fourth tier German side though, so you can't really read too much into it. But what what we saw of him and had I was, you know, he looked absolutely rapid on, on the right hand side. I don't, you know, you don't know whether that's the, <laughs> the, the fullback making him, the fullback making him look slow or him being quick, but they looked to be at, at the top of their game and also sharp enough to start immediately. So yeah. I don't think they, either of them will start at West Ham, but they look fit enough to be able to if they need to. The the ball that Sabiri put in for De Potra's first goal, De Potra, sorry, his first goal, was sublime. I mean, you make the right comments about, you know, it's only one game. Dimitri Gavari had one good game for us, so you don't want to get too ahead of yourself. But if that's the basis of what is to come and they can build from that start, that's fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. And it, as, we, as we've said before, David Wagner likes to have two players in each position. Means that Tom Ince is now pretty much going to be a left winger. That's going to be the place that he plays. Uh, and we've also spoken about them being slightly different. I think him, Sabiri, this is, and Casey Palmer are both slightly different players. Yeah. I think they bring something different. I think Sabiri brings a bit more trickiness. Palmer brings a bit more strength uh, and ability to 
to find the pass maybe than Siberia, although Siberia has shown that he can do that. Hmm. Um, so it'll be interesting to, to see that battle for the number 10 shirt and who gets picked for which sort of games. It's, I think it's important, we've, we've discussed this before, but if we look at it now with the window shut especially, there are, there are no gaps present in this squad any longer. There are at least two players for every position and two good players in every position. And the competition for those places is really interesting as well because... If that Hadejanai performance is anything to go by, he will run Tommy Smith quite close. And that's a good thing, because as we've seen with Christopher Lerver, he's kicked on again this season and, and looks as if he's been playing in the Premier League years. And I imagine a portion of that is knowing that if he wasn't up to scratch, Scott Malone's there waiting to nick his jumper off him. Yeah, for sure. And I, I would also say that that Tommy Smith and Hadejanai again provide different options because Hadajan I looks quicker than Smith. Yeah. Whereas Smith looks a bit stronger and maybe a bit bigger. So f- it depends on the team. So if you're playing, I don't know, West Brom, you're probably going to pick Tommy Smith 99 times out of 100. If you're playing maybe Arsenal and Theo Walcott or someone like that's on the wing, you pick Hadajan just so he can, you know, he can keep up a little bit more. Yeah. Um, not that Smith couldn't couldn't take those players on, but I think just the qualities are a bit more suited to that style for Carlos. Exactly, exactly. And, and I think David Wagner knows that, and that's why he's brought in someone slightly different to Smith. It's not a, a bad problem to have, because we were having this conversation earlier, actually, coincidentally, in the, in the office, somebody came over and asked us, you know, presuming the first team picks itself, who's on the bench? Mm-hmm. And then the, the point they were making is that there are players who are likely to miss out because yeah. there are so many players it's it's the depth there is far beyond what had been there previously yeah we, well we was, we were saying that with in the premier league you get seven players to have one of them's taken up with the goalkeeper yeah um which for town is now either going to be coleman or or green one of them's going to miss out then you've got six players to pick town brought in 13 players over the transfer window and probably offloaded five or six in mm-hmm. terms of loans and, and permanent deals. Yeah. That means you've got last team's squad more or less full, plus an extra 13 players. <laughs> some of them are going to miss out. And some of your new signings, like Lauren DePotra, who was Towns at one point, was Towns' record, record signing, has not been on the bench for a Premier League game yet. So yeah. it's, it's, it's going to be interesting to see not only who starts on the pitch, but who... Wagner has there because if you think oh well De Poitre's on the, the bench today that means he thinks that maybe it's going to be one of those games where they're going to have to get balls into the box a bit more so it'll be interesting uh, West Ham I imagine De Poitre, personally I would have him on the bench because I think you know he can mix it up a little bit for them but then who misses out after that you've got so many players and so many really good players who are going to miss out and they're you know you're not going to keep everyone happy by doing that I think another thing to point out as well is that this isn't a squad that's ever picked on names or favouritism. It's a meritocracy in the purest form. And, you know, it, it doesn't matter if how much a player costs or what they mean to the fan base. David Wagner will pick the team he thinks is the best team every week. There's no... no he's not pandering to anybody. He's going to do what yeah. he thinks is best. Well, I'd argue that it's not... It's not a meritocracy. I think that there obviously is a, a massive part of merit in it, but I, I wouldn't say that it's whoever's played well last game gets in. It's whoever David Wagner thinks is going to be able to beat the team. And it, it's kind of, it's almost sort of NFL style where you get matchups across the <laughs> field. And he's he's thinking, so right, 
he's playing left back for them, so I need a right winger who's going to be able to do this. Yeah. Therefore, I'll pick whoever. So it's kind of, it is based on merit, but it's also based on tactically who David Wagner thinks will be able to, to be the key to success in that position. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think it's, like we said, it's a good problem to have. And especially if we compare that directly to the teams in and around them or who are supposed to be in and around them if we listen to the external pundits, there's no argument, in my opinion, that Town have, you know, pound for pound had a better window because of what they've managed to fulfil in terms of what they needed to do and what they've achieved is exactly that, if if not exceeded expectation. Whereas there are clubs who are disappointed with what they've done, didn't get things over the line, there are still gaps in their squad, there are still changes they want to make, they're still unsure about things. West Ham are one of them, uh, Crystal Palace are another Newcastle especially, Brighton again had one that was dragging on. So the fact that Huddersfield had the least amount of time to prepare but have been the most efficient team in doing so, perhaps outside of the top six, if not even better than some of them. You know, Arsenal are you know, still struggling and you know, Spurs had deals going on and I think even City were trying to do one or two more. So it's it's fantastic that the club have shown such a willingness to give themselves the best possible chance mm-hmm. going forwards because there there would have been room for criticism had they not done that and struggled. Whereas the fact that they're playing so well and they've given themselves the foundation to do well, there's almost no chink in the armour in terms of areas to, to point at fault. Yeah, well, I think what, what shows that more than anything is if you take, personally, you, you take my prediction from before the season yeah. to what I would predict Town to finish now, and yet you could do it with anyone. Their Town are obviously, well, f- for me, they're yeah. obviously now going to finish higher than 15th, which is where I predicted for yeah. Because of the window that they've had, because of the manager they've got, they've now got a squad which is better than at least six or seven teams who are going to be down there. So and a manager is probably better than twelve or thirteen. Yeah, yeah. at least. Yeah, I completely agree <laughs> with that. I, it, it's now it, it, it's such a strange sort of feeling to just think, although Town are still not favourites, but they're they're considered sort of relegation candidates. Yeah, I just don't see that as a as a, a possibility anymore. I see them as as mid table breaking into top half sort of thing and. Obviously, it's easy to get carried away with the start that they've had, but take the start out of it. Look at the squad, sort of man for man. Yeah, there are there are plenty of teams who I would put below them in the table beforehand. There's a without being overconfident or cocky or taking things for granted. There's a, a confidence in knowing that although we're having this conversation now, that's not the type of talk that will be happening internally at the club. Mm. Knowing how the manager is, what his outlook is, the chairman especially, and their influence over the players and the the rest of the coaching staff, they will not be going, we're going to be safe. They will not be offering any room for complacency or or saying that you know there's that many teams. They will be playing each week with the same intensity yeah. no matter who they're playing against. I think the Altona friendly is a sign of that as well because although other teams in the Premier League may have had more internationals missing, they still had enough players there if they wanted to to have friendlies and go away and, and train. But Huddersfield are one of few, if not the only team, to have done a proper 
scheduled friendly in a in a competitive environment. It's not just a behind closed doors kickabout or you know playing two teams from the same squad against each other that that some clubs do. They went out and they pushed themselves as if they had a usual fixture because that level of professionalism and that outlook is something that's so integral to their identity that they can't let it slip. Yeah, and I, I think that now that Town have done it, if Town stay in the Premier League this season, if Town have a good season, you know, if they break into the top half, which looks possible now, yeah, I would not be surprised if every other international break now, you see other teams doing this. Town could well have sort of changed the outlook of a lot of teams in the league because they're taking it so seriously and I'm not saying other teams aren't but didn't West Ham fans actually pick up on this though on Twitter yeah on Twitter you were saying, we're bottom of the league no wins and no points in fact <laughs> and we're going on holiday and Huddersfield Town are third in the Premier League something that no one thought would ever happen and they're having a train uh, like a, an actual match yeah so it, it's just I think especially Depending on how Huddersfield do and depending on like fan fan sort of reaction and stuff like that, I, w- I would not be surprised to see more and more teams now thinking, right, we're going we're gonna to show to the fans that we actually give a monkeys about this and, do, and go and do a friendly. There wasn't... Um, I don't think it's for show or anything like that either. I think there's logical thinking behind it because if you take this a year previous in, in what mm-hmm. they were doing in the Championship, they had a... a proper competitive game against Liverpool at Melwood behind closed doors. And obviously the organisation of that is perhaps more uh, laid back than it would be with other teams, given the relationship Mm -hmm. with the two coaches. And they're obviously not repeating that this year because they're now direct competition. Uh, Maybe not direct competition, but they're in the same division. Champions League. (laughs) They're uh, they're at the same table, shall we say. Um, But it's encouraging to see that just because they're at a higher level, just because they know they've succeeded to a certain amount there there's no sort of you know big fancy dance style attitude that's come mm-hmm. in it's exactly the same mentality that got them through the championship that they're now applying to the premier league and given how well it went last year you can't really complain that they're doing the same thing again not at all and and as well i think playing a friendly when you've got time off it it almost sort of keeps the players feet on the ground because I think if you have time off, people are able to sort of sit back and relax and, you know, just, just reflect on what they've actually done. Obviously, again, we're only three games into the season, but what they've done has been sensational. Yeah. And if you give players time to think about that, you know, then they keep thinking about it. And you're like, actually, we, we've done that. We've done that. Whereas you want to keep them in the moment. You want to keep them going game by game by game by game. And I think it's David Wagner says he doesn't believe in momentum. When he, when we were in the when town were in the playoffs last season and, he, and town were doing, they had a terrible run, got into the playoffs. Dave Vargas said, "No, oh, momentum is nothing." Yeah, it is. It, it is, and I think this this shows that David Wagner does actually believe in momentum and keeping that run going. But he's obviously not going to say that going into a playoff campaign. So, you know, it, it's one of those things which it's it's worked for town in the past. It's going to work again. I, you know, I'm I'm very confident that Town will get a result at West Ham. It feeds into the fact that every time he's been asked about it and, you know, this underdog mentality and no limits, all the catchphrases we're aware of, they're not empty and they're not just marketing mm-hmm. slogans. These are, you know, cornerstones of the identity that the club have adopted and has been so good to them over the past 18 months. Um, 
And it's nice to see that when he says in a press conference, we're not going to change, we're going to be true to ourselves, we know who we are, we know where we've come from. That's not to make headlines or to placate anyone or, you know, to make himself sound better, which is accused of other managers, other other managers are accused of giving sound bites and, and saying things because they've been media trained. David Wagner never strikes you as being as calculated as that. He he seems like a man who's in, incapable of trying to mislead you. There are times where he's a bit more cagey, where purposefully you can see he's not giving you the full picture because he doesn't want to. And I think that's different than lying, especially in such a public-facing position, because there are certain things you just can't tell people as a football mm-hmm. manager. Um, and after times, there, there are sometimes if something is released, he will then open up about it more once the time is appropriate to do so. But it's it's refreshing to have somebody who is the face of the club, reluctantly or otherwise, who so perfectly represents what Huddersfield Town are about at this very moment in time. Uh, yeah, uh, and I, I would I would also add to that that um, I was watching Match of the Day, I think it was the first... The first match of the day of the season after Townland won 3 0. It, it might be the Newcastle game. Yeah. And Jermaine Genus was on. And then just at the end, they showed David Wagner celebrating in front of the fans. And he made a similar point. He just said, Look at, look at what that means to David Wagner. You know, mm-hmm. uh, other managers might do that. But if you do that and you don't mean it, you get found out by the fans. The fans understand what passion is. And he has it in. By the barrel load, it's just it, it's just so refreshing to see someone who cares so much about what he's doing, and it doesn't feel like an act either. And it doesn't feel like an act, and it, it is it, it is from the heart. He believes it. He, he he believes in this club. He believes in himself, and he believes in his players. Um, and it's just a wonderful thing to to see so close to. One player that did leave, which is slightly bittersweet given his time at the club and what he uh, provided as a servant, uh, is Naki Wells. Uh, believed to be a fee in the region of five to six million, apparently from Burnley for him. It seems like one of those rare deals where he'll always be welcomed back to Huddersfield warmly. He didn't leave on bad terms. He was He was as complimentary to the club as the club were to him upon leaving, which is a rarity in the sport nowadays. Um, but at the same time, everybody wins because there seem to be a very rare, uh, very small chance, sorry, that a deal was going to come up with between Town and Wells. There seemed to be a stumbling block there regarding time on his contract or money. They didn't exactly say, but the impression that we got was Town had offered something he'd counter-offered and they'd said no and it come to the point where the best thing possible was for him to look elsewhere to a team that was perhaps more suited to him now and for Town to be compensated for his town at the time at the club which is fair enough and I think it's a, a great piece of business for everyone concerned because his playing time would have been limited here compared to what it may be at Burnley the system here didn't suit him all that well uh, we saw that last season even though he was an exemplary professional and and always gave his all, it was clear that he wasn't the ideal forward for that system. He he isn't suited to being a lone striker and he won't be at Burnley. And it's nice to know that what has been a a good professional relationship will continue to be so going forward because everybody has conducted themselves in the correct manner. 
Yeah, I think you've, you've hit the nail on the head there. Naki Wells is not not only for last. I think last season he may may went may have went sort of underappreciated because he was, you know, he scored ten goals. Yeah, and he also set up a few. And he the amount of running he did for the team, which was, you know, I think I think maybe some people thought, oh well, he's not going to be able to do the running. He likes scoring goals. He doesn't have the work ethic. Mm. Last year he proved that he can put himself aside and he will do a job for the team. And that's that's what he did. Yeah. And the season before that, he showed that he can score goals and he more or less his goals kept town in, in the division and set them up for, for the incredible promotion season that they had last year. So There were offers for him the, the first January that David Wagner had come in as well. And because he'd recognised that there was a change at the club and that there was a new ambition there, he could have left, but he stayed. And, you know... If you're looking at alternate timelines and things, had he taken the option that so many have done previously and seen and thought that the grass is greener elsewhere, Butterfield, Clayton, list goes on, Rhodes, he didn't. He stayed and he fought for his position and he earned his status as a Premier League footballer in a Huddersfield Town shirt. And that is you know, priceless in the, in the minds of fans and people like us who have watched the club so closely. Um over this period, yeah, that's why he will always be. He will always be welcome back to Huddersfield, and that's why everyone in Huddersfield wishes him the absolute best and, and hopes he's Burnley's top scorer this season. <laughs> as long as he doesn't score against, as long town. as he doesn't score against Town, exactly. So, yeah, he's just, there's not much more you can say. You, there's nothing you can say negative about Naki Wells and his contribution to Town. No, not at all. There's a few Bermudan supporters who won't be wearing Town shirts anymore, yeah. but I think the uh, the retail department of Town are, are going to be all right without them. Although, that was, you know, it's a nice thing, especially when Town weren't the biggest name in the Championship and, you know, there wasn't that much of an international interest. The fact that there was this... You know, Caribbean island that was so well, they, heavily town. We've got Australia now with Aaron Moore. So. <laughs> we do have Australia. I'm, I think somebody's and calling Benin. Benin yeah, Benin, as well. yeah. I think somebody's calling me at half nine tonight to go on Australian radio <laughs> to speak about Aaron Moore. That's the the level of interest. If we turn our attention to West Ham, mm-hmm. uh, it's on Monday. It's a bit of a weird one. Um, their press conference isn't until tomorrow, so we don't know what. Slavin Bilic has had to say for himself. Um, I imagine he'll be asked if you lose this game, are you out of a job? He'll probably yep. say no. The answer probably, is probably yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that, in a perverse may way, may work against town because West Ham have got their backs against the walls. They are a, a wounded animal, and you know there's that old cliche that people are most dangerous when they're at their lowest ebb, and. As as big a favourites as Town appear to be on paper and with momentum and with form, even though David Wagner says that doesn't count for anything, there is every chance that should their mentality not be right going into the game, West Ham are, are primed to give themselves a kick up. I can see where you're coming from. I mean, I don't think that's the case myself, but I'm yeah. playing devil's advocate a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah, I... I... It depends. It, for me, it depends on whether Slavin Bilic has lost the players or not. Yeah. Because if he's lost the players, they're not going to turn up. It might be the first home game of the season. It might be this. Might be that. They aren't going to play for him. Yeah. That, as we saw with Jose Mourinho, unbelievable manager, lost the players. Chelsea finished tenth, and they could have finished a lot worse. For West West Ham, from the sort of the vibe that I'm getting from there is that the players, you know, they're. 
on a lot of money. They're in London. Do they really care about the club? Maybe Mark Noble does. Can't really off the top of my head. I can't name anyone else from London who's a West Ham fan who plays for West Ham. So like, I, I just, I just think they're there for the taking this week. I think, I think Billich's will leave, will be sacked. Sorry, in the <laughs> next month or two maximum. Yeah, um, it'd be a miracle if he's still there at Christmas. It will be an absolute miracle. Um, and I think just Huddersfield Town are going to have way too much for them. They're going to be. <laughs> What I would say is that Huddersfield Town beat Newcastle 1-0 and Newcastle came to defend. Newcastle took apart West Ham and beat them 3-0 and Huddersfield Town are a much better attacking unit than Newcastle United are. So I, I just... I it, It'll probably come, by, come back and bite me, but yeah. I just can't see Town not taking three points from this game. I wrote the tactical preview for this game earlier on and looking at West Ham's team, I think my first sentence in the piece is... It's really difficult to second-guess a team when you're not entirely sure they can second-guess themselves because they're flip-flopping with formations. I rung up a colleague in London to ask him about what he thought the team would be and he suggested an entirely different formation to what they've been playing because they've got a few players back. Um, Diafra Sacco and uh, Czech Coyote and Winston Reid at the back, which is going to be a boost for them, but that means they're going to go from this weird 4-2-3-1 hybrid that they've been playing with somebody trying to push up and play next to Hernandez because he's not very good on his own in an almost Naki Wells fashion. They're now going to be playing this strange 3-4-3 hybrid. We saw how well Town cope against the three at the back when they played Palace, especially against a team who are going to have the pressure to come out and attack because... Even if West Ham were to beat Huddersfield, but they did so playing in a Newcastle-like manner at home in their first home game of the season against the newly promoted side, their fans still won't be amused by it mm. because they have this weird idea that West Ham play good football. I've never seen it in my lifetime. <laughs> I've been here for 25 years and I've never known West Ham to have some strange football identity that they're supposed to. But that's what they're their fans want and all power to them. I think that's what every fan base wants. We've had that argument between mm. ourselves before. But at the same time, that pressure, the fact that the the stadium, they're having a, what, a protest beforehand, they look ready yeah, to turn already. Protesting the board, yeah. For 20 minutes in, it's 0-0 and Huddersfield have kept the ball off West Ham for all of it and they turn and West Ham overextend themselves. As you say, Town aren't shy of creating chances. Steve Mooney's shown he's able to convert when needed. They're already in great form with the likes of Kachunga, who is due a goal because he's been very close. Um, Tom Ince as well has come close, and he's been, you know, his chances haven't been as open, but he's been grafting as hard as anyone. Casey Palmer looks dangerous. He scored in midweek for under 21s. It'll be interesting to see what happens because, as I wrote in that tactical preview, there are so many obvious areas of weakness. Joe Hart, if you shoot to his left, he can't save it. <laughs> which is a, a joke. He's England's number one. Pablo Zabaleta's 32 years old and looks every second of it. He's going to play next to Jose Font, who's not looked the same player since moving from Southampton. Mm. There are so many areas there for Huddersfield to get at them. You, I, I'm fully on board with you not wanting to get ahead of ourselves and let this one bite us on the bottom because we could sound very silly talking yeah. about West Ham yeah. in this manner for 10 minutes and then you know we get slapped on Monday <laughs> but at the same time being truthful whether or not 
we were implied to cover Huddersfield or not, whether it was just looking at it in a purely unbiased fashion. You know, neither of us are Huddersfield fans, so it's not as if we've got that mm-hmm. contributing to it. <laughs> There's no way I can see around Huddersfield better being the better team. Yeah, the the only the only maybe worry they're not even worries really <laughs> the only things that I could highlight for West Ham which could cause a problem for town are Andy Carroll being back he's on the bench yeah likely to be on the bench but he's a, he's a handful you know as much as people he, he was a bit of a donkey at Liverpool he know he can put himself around he knows how to score goals against defenders who can't sort of put their bodies around as much as he can um, he's shown flashes of brilliance as well like the bicycle kick last year uh, Michael Antonio yes I think those are the only two players who would have a shot at getting in the town side from the West Ham side yeah possibly oh, Mark Noble Cresswell and Mark Noble's a pound on footballer <laughs> fair enough um, <laughs> I, I make Cresswell, no apologies Cresswell's alright but he's not as good as Chris Lerber mm, no but he's he in a similar Scott Malone-esque fashion he, yeah, has, yeah, yeah. he has a lot of potential yeah. And then, and then the only other thing is that it's it is the first game at, at the London Stadium. So if West Ham do go one nil up, like early doors, you're facing an uphill battle from there, obviously. So no, if you know, I'll put my prediction out there. I'm going to go three nil to town again. <laughs> I just think I think Tom Ince will score a couple. I think a, I think they'll enjoy that. <laughs> I think yeah. Well, I think the booze will being the self-confident individual he is I think the booze will make him play to you know his his very peak no I, I, I like that as well I like um, I like players who can channel spite mm-hmm. and use that as fuel because it's it's something that not a lot of people speak about but if you look into champion sides and champion individuals a lot there's always something wrong that they put on themselves and give themselves a chip yeah. on their shoulder, even if it's not there. One of my favourite um, anecdotes is about Michael Jordan, um, and it feeds into this, is that he, when he, I think he'd won three titles back-to-back, he'd retired and gone back into basketball, and he started telling this story of how his high school basketball coach was dropping him, even though he was Michael Jordan and clearly going to be the best player of all time. And somebody at some point went to ask his high school coach whether or not that was true. And he said it was absolute rubbish. He played every game. He was the centre of the team. And they took it back to Michael and they said, why do you do that? And he goes, oh, I need to give myself some motivation. So I made it up and say it like that. So I felt wronged so that that was some you know spirit for me. And I think in a similar manner, we've spoken about Holloway last season and all the yep. 20th predictions this year. We've spoken about how <laughs> David Wagner was not shy in the slightest about pointing to that. You know, I that's one of my favourite, if not my favourite thing about this team is just how, not personally, but how clever they are about their detractors and using that just in the love, correct manner. love proving people wrong. Yeah. And that's, that's for an underdog like Huddersfield Town, that's just what you need. That's that's it. Yeah, because there are, there are ways of that affecting them negatively and them, you know, trying to do something different and trying to be a different team because they're trying to prove people wrong in the wrong manner. But if anything, they double down on what they do just to prove them wrong in their own fashion, which is, you know, one of my favourite subplots of this current Wagner reign. If we move on to a couple of last uh, listener questions, the first one came in from Michael Gorse and he was concerned with 
the fitness levels because he says that the team looked a little bit dead on their feet after 18 minutes against Southampton, which seems a little bit harsh. Yeah, Tom Inson's press conference to say, today said this was the fittest squad he's ever been part of. I don't doubt that. I think Huddersfield Town were the fittest squad in the Championship. I think they'll be top five fittest squads in the Premier League this year. Um, and I I just think it was that was the way the game went. You know, Town attacked for a bit, Southampton attacked for a bit. It just happened that ta- that Southampton were on the front front foot for the last 10 minutes. I also don't think Southampton caused too many problems. It was just that they had the ball quite a lot. Uh, I think Nathan Redmond had a shot and obviously the header from Ryan Bertrand at the end, but that was about it really Yeah, in that sort of period. So I don't think it's anything to worry about. Um, and, I, you know, as, as I said before, Town will be one of the fittest teams. That's how they play the system. They, they make sure they can play the system because they're the fittest team or one of the fittest teams there. I think that it's true that Southampton definitely ended that game stronger, but I think that was one of very few patches that they had where they were clearly in the ascendancy compared to Huddersfield. Um, I don't think it was Town settling for a point at all. I just think in the Premier League, when you've got teams who are of such a good standard and with such good players in it, it's going to ebb and flow. Some people are going to win a round and some people aren't. If If that was a boxing match, Town have won it. 10 rounds to 12 and it just happens that Southampton have won the last one so I don't think it's too much of a of a concern um, and as you said fitness isn't really a, a question given the amount of double training sessions yeah, you get put through an issue, and, and everything um, they may have been tired it, it happens but I don't think they're going to be more tired than anybody at, at that stage of No I think one thing I would say is that Southampton would be one of the teams that would be able to, to sort of match them for fitness but I Tiredness, yes, but you're going to be tired at the end of a football match. And I think Southampton were equally as tired. It was just the ebb and flow, like we've said. Uh, the second question comes from Sean Bennett, who's asking, because Town are up for a number of monthly awards in the Premier League. David Wang's up for Manager of the Month. Jonas Hossel's up for Player of the Month. Aaron Wise up for Goal of the Month. Um, and he wants to know how likely we thought they were to win those awards. Um, if we're going to stack them one, two, three, I probably think Wagner... Moy and then Lossell because I think uh, Moy won't win goal of the month it'll be Charlie Daniels at Bournemouth that's, yes that's, that absolute rocket yeah, that, that is just the winner yeah um, as much as Aaron Moyes was a great move uh, and one of our favourites probably but uh, I think Charlie Daniels will win that one player of the month I think they'll give it to Romelu Lukaku just because he scored goals for, for Man United and Man United uh, they're three for three aren't they no goals conceded could be De Gea as well for United but uh, personally, I think Lossell is in with a great shout. I, yeah. I don't think that they'll give it to him, though. Goalkeepers th- never do well in individual no. awards. I think, how many has Lukaku got? Three goals? Four goals? Four goals, I think. Four goals in three games, he'll get it for that. Yeah. He will do it, because strikers get it more than anyone else ever. Like, when was the last time you saw a goalkeeper get player of the season for any club, really? Mm. Apart from maybe, did Schmeichel get it last year for Leicester, maybe? No. But no, exactly. Yeah. Like I said, goalkeepers are discriminated against where individual exactly. awards because the it, fact that Gigi Buffon's never won a Ballon d'Or and things are exactly. ridiculous. It's when you think of a goalkeeper, you, you automatically think of the, the mistakes they've made because yeah. if they do something good, you think that's their job. <laughs> but yeah, um, David Wagner for me is in with the best shout of an award. Yeah, me too. Personally, I think he deserves it more than Mourinho, even though Mourinho's gone three wins from three. Yeah. If you look at Mourinho's team, and the teams that they've played against. 
they were pretty much going to be three from three anyway. Yeah. They've obviously not conceded a goal like Town, but for Town to come up from the Championship through the playoffs, not concede a goal and remain unbeaten, obviously, um, with seven points, for me, that puts David And for them to be seven very justified points, Town haven't yeah. fluked two wins and a draw. They're completely on merit and, if anything, should have been nine rather than yeah, seven. absolutely. Um, and I think given the the way that the club have begun to be righted about and covered in the wider press, the sort of shock and awe that there is that they're as good as we told people they were mm. is going to feed into that slightly because I think narrative sometimes comes into these, especially yeah. with Tam being on TV and, you know, there being increased media scrutiny on them at present this yeah. week. David Wagner is probably the best story for that award. At present, I think so. I think I think you've got to. I think you've just got to give it to him. You know, he's, he has been the manager of the month for me. Yeah, yeah. You won't find me disagreeing. I think that's everything. I think we managed to catch up on everything we missed on Monday. There's nothing else. No breaking news or anything from the club. No, the, well, the only breaking news is not town related, but that the transfer window is now going to close the Thursday before the Premier League starts next season rather than on August the 31st so but for town that didn't doesn't really, <laughs> it doesn't uh, matter yeah yeah because they got their business done so, so early so yeah I think it's probably a good thing um, in the wider concepts of the game because yeah. there's less uncertainty going into the season it's going to be slightly strange if the last of the European leagues don't fall into line there's going to be yeah. three weeks where players can be sold but not bought yeah where that's going to be slightly odd but that exists anyway now in some territories I think mm-hmm. the Russian one goes on for longer Spain's 24 hours yeah China as well so there are players who leave after so it's going to be strange to see how well Premier yeah. League teams well I think Premier League clubs don't need to sell either anyway and you know if, if a player is sort of surplus to requirements and sell if they're not they're not going to sell them so not if they can't bring anyone else in we'll, we'll soon find out but that's <laughs> a, an interesting wrinkle for next season um, we've got the Beer 52 offer, uh, beer52.com. Yes. Drink beer from Beer 52. <laughs> the, um, the code is Huddersfield. You just have to pay £5.95 postage rather than £24 for the full crate and everything. So you're saving yourselves over 20 quid, uh, which isn't too bad in our books. And we've got a few in the office, and Roy's had his own box and everything. They're decent. So we're not, gone. <laughs> we're not selling you anything too bad. Um, you can listen to old episodes on Audio Boom and iTunes if you've subscribe on those platforms and leave us a review on iTunes and everything that's apparently good for us we've been told so we'd appreciate it five stars and the like um, that'd be nice and we're going to be back on Tuesday next week Indeed. because we're playing on Monday yes so correct. there's no point in us doing a podcast on Monday to preview a game that most people have watched by the time they listen to it so I will speak to you on Tuesday speak to you then Ik wilde alle, alle nieuwste telefoon, niet omdat het moet. Nu bij Tele2, de Huawei P20. Omdat het kan. Voor een genadeloos lage prijs. Check Tele2.nl voor de beste deal voor jou. Niet omdat het moet, maar omdat het kan.